You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Luke chapter 13, verse number 1, the Bible says, There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish." Now, up to this point, there's been two examples that were contemporary to the day Christ was living in that were brought before him of people dying an untimely death. The first death would have been an unjust death. The second death would have been an, un, uh, uh, an untimely death, uh, uh, an uncontrollable death. And these men asked Jesus, did this tragedy happen to these individuals because they were worse sinners than we are? And by the way, that's bad theology. But that's common theology. Just because something bad happened to somebody doesn't mean God's judging them. Think about the book of Job. He might be trying them to get more gold out of their life. So Jesus responds and says, no, it doesn't mean that. He said, unless you repent, he said, all of us will likewise perish. Now in verse number 6 through 9, he gives them a parable that I think he gives because of what happened in verse 1 through 5. And here we have a story about an undetermined death. Look what it says in verse number 6. He spake also this parable, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he under the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Look at these three words. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year. I put a parenthesis around the two words, this year. He said, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. In this story, there's a prophetic application, and then we'll make a personal one as well. There's a man who has a vineyard. In that vineyard, he has planted a fig tree. It's obvious that there's nothing wrong with the vineyard because the man expected fruit on the fig tree, so it's just easy to deduce there probably was fruit on the rest of the trees in the vineyard. He came for three years, and he came for three years hunting a harvest. He was looking for fruit on that fig tree. Year after year he came, one year, two years, three years he came. He inspected that fig tree, and after three years there was no fruit on it. The response of the man who owns the vineyard is cut it down. What a statement, just cut it down, get rid of it. It's wasting space, it's not fulfilling its purpose, it's bringing me no glory at all. Let's just get rid of it, cut it down. There's a man who is the dresser of the vineyard. He's put personal effort into that fig tree. He's loved it, he's nurtured it, he's cared for it. And he intercedes on behalf of the fig tree and says, what if we give it one more year? 
and let me go above and beyond. I'll dig about it, that's basic. I'll dung it, that's blessing beyond what's basic, the minimal. And let's give it one more year of probation, if you will, and let's see after a year if it's more fruitful. But after this year, if it still doesn't bear fruit, let's just get rid of it. Let's just get rid of it. I mean, if that church is just going to be like every other dead church, let's just, let's just take our hand off of it. If that man is just going to be a minimal Christian, if he's not going to fulfill the call of God on his life, let's just, let's just get him out of the way. If that bus route is just going to stay at 5 and not strive for 10, somebody else wants 10, let's just put our hand on that one and get rid of the other one. If it's not going to bear fruit, why do we let it waste space? This is a sobering message for a day after Christmas. But it's the close of a year and we're about to cross the threshold on a new. And here's what I want you to consider, and I really want you to consider it. Even if I don't preach well, the thought is good. What if this was this year in my life and yours? How different would it be for you if you knew this was your last year? How would it motivate you? How would it change you? How would it stir you? How would it convict you if this was this year coming up, 2022, this year? Let's pray. God, I pray for your help today. I pray that you'd speak to us. I pray that you'd help us to consider our lives and consider the will of God. And I pray you'd help us to have a hunger and a desire to bear fruit for the glory of God today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want you to think about those two words this year. One year sounds like a very lengthy period of time, doesn't it? I mean, a lot can happen in a year. A lot can change in a year. A lot can be accomplished in a year. A lot can be lost in just one year. A year sounds like forever, but if you've lived life very long at all, I don't have to convince you that a year can go by very quickly. I was thinking about this. It just seems like yesterday, and you might feel the same. So yesterday I was a teenager, and you say, now I'm in my 20s. Yesterday I was in my 20s, and now I'm in my 30s. Yesterday I was in my 30s, and now I'm in my 40s. Yesterday I was in my 40s, and now I don't remember how old I am. You know, life just flies by. If you have social media, those memories pop up and it reveals to you how much changes in a year. You had babies a year ago and now they're teenagers or young adults. You were skinny a year ago and now things have changed. A year just flies by. But can you imagine how fast, can you imagine how fast a year would go by if you understood that that year might be your final year? I want to say this morning that this year upcoming could be the most important year in my life and the most important year in your life. And it could be the most important year in the life of our church. This could be this year when God comes and he comes looking for fruit. What if this were the last year that God were to give you and I to live for his glory? James 4 and verse 14 says, For what is your life? It's even a vapor. Psalm 90 and verse 12 tells us to number our days. And today we understand time is always advancing. It just doesn't hold still. Time is always marching. The clock hands are always moving. And no matter how far out in the distance or on the horizon that point of time seems to be, whether it be a decade or 15 years or a year from now, it might seem like an eternity out in the distance. But one day that time period that is out on the horizon of life is going to be knocking at the threshold of your tomorrow. And before you know it, tomorrow will become today. And that time period in the distance will be your reality. Time just flies by. Think about 
about it. Just one more year. This congregation won't be the same one year from today. This crowd that meets in here right now, it'll never be assembled just like this in this manner like it is at this moment. One year from now, there'll be different faces. One year from now, there'll be some that are missing. One year from now, there'll be some that have moved away. One year from now, there'll be some that are married. One year from now, some may be divorced. One year from now, there'll be some old people that are not here. There'll be some young people that are not here. There'll be some teenagers that are not here. Some will be in a different state. Some will be in glory. But this crowd will never be in this place, in this fashion, like this, ever again. Let me ask you this morning, how would it change your life if you understood that this year might be your last year? How would it stir you? How would it motivate you? How would it clean you up? How would it bring you some conviction? How would it move you to do something for God if this year was that year of your life, the final year? Luke 13 is a chapter about repentance and being ready to meet your God. This chapter sets us down in Christ's final leg of his ministerial journey. He's en route to Calvary. The shadow of Golgotha and the shadow of Gethsemane is getting longer in his life. And as he moves through these little villages en route to Jerusalem, his burden grows as he understands he's about to bleed and die for the sins of the world. If you study out this chapter, it's a chapter of parables and prophecy. But more than that, it's a chapter with a pressing consideration for you and I today. This chapter reminds us of God's holiness. It reminds us of our sinfulness and it reminds us of the brevity and the frailty of human life. This text will cause us to come face to face with our own mortality. And it reminds us that the God who creates life is the same God that can cut life short. In verse 1 through 5, there are two examples of life cut short. The first example is a group of Galileans that were in the temple making sacrifices. And Pilate sends his Roman guard in, and they unlawfully, I believe, slay these men. And their blood is mixed with the blood of their sacrifices on the altar. Another example is given about a tower there by the pool of Bethesda, that pool that placed the Tower of Siloam. And it falls, and there's men that are killed in that tragic, untimely death. These men asked Jesus, did that happen in their life because they're sinners worse than everybody else? And I'll say it again, that is bad theology. You gotta bite your tongue and be slow to speak when bad things happen to so seemingly good people. It doesn't mean they sinned. It doesn't mean God's mad at them. It doesn't mean they've done wrong. It just means you're not God and his ways are higher than yours and you just better count your lucky stars that you're not sitting in their seat. And Jesus says, no, it's not because they're sinners above all else. He said, unless all of you get right, unless all of you repent, you're all going to perish. And that leads him into this parable. He gives us a parable of a barren fig tree. Now, there's a prophetic application, and it's fairly easy to discern. In the parable, there's a certain man that represents God the Father. In the parable, there's a vineyard that represents the land of Canaan. 
There's a fig tree planted in the vineyard, and that would be the nation of Israel. There's a vine dresser, a man who cares for that uh, vineyard, and I believe that's the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a span of three years, and I think it could either be 3,000 years of history, or it could be the three years that Jesus walked among his own and sought to get them born again. I don't know what it is, and you don't either, and we'll figure it out up in heaven. But regardless, here's the story. A certain man had a vineyard. In that vineyard, it's walled, it's protected. The ground is cultivated and fertilized. It's a perfect environment for fruit to abound. He finds a fig tree. Maybe that fig tree was a wild fig tree, and he dug it up from where it was, and he brought it to his vineyard. That's exactly what God did for us, by the way. He planted it there in his vineyard. That fig tree got all of the nutrients that every other tree God. It got all the nutrients that all of the grapes would have gotten. Every other uh, vegetation in that vineyard it was fed, it was watered, it was protected, it was provided for and he went there one year and looked no fruit. He went back the second year and looked no fruit. He went back the third year and looked and no fruit and he said you know what? Enough is enough. How much more can I love that tree? How much more can I feed that tree? How much more can I show compassion to that tree? And he said why cumbereth the ground? He's saying, why does it take up space? Why is it filling a pew? Someone else could fill. Why is it teaching a class? Someone else could teach. Why is it singing in the choir in a spot? Somebody else could sit. Why is it passing a plate that somebody else could pass? If it's not going to bear any fruit, just cut it down. Man, that's stout, is it not? Cut it down. It's just playing games. Cut it down. It's not bearing fruit. Get rid of it. Thank God there's a man there who had personally invested blood, sweat, and tears into that tree. And he'd gone day after day, and he'd loved on it, he'd pruned it, he'd fed it, he'd nourished it, and he intercedes. He's a daysman. He goes between. And he says, wait a minute. He said, now, if you'll let me, I'll be extra good to that tree for one more year. I'll feed it for one more year. I'll love it for one more year. I'll, I'll protect it for one more year. I'll provide for it for one more year. And you let me be as good as I can be. I won't just dig around it. I won't just break up stuff, but I'll dung it. I will bless it as well. I'll break up what needs broken up. I'll bless where it needs blessed. And after a year of breaking up and a year of blessing, if it still does not bear fruit, then you are just and you are holy and you are right to just get this thing out of the vineyard and cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? Can I say there's that prophetic application where in AD 70, Israel, I believe, was judged by God. But also there's a personal application. I believe in my life and in yours, God is not just dealing with Israel. He is dealing with individuals. And I think the message to us this morning is this. How long do you expect a good God to be good for to someone who is absolutely good for nothing? How long do you expect God to show grace and mercy and compassion to a Christian that doesn't even love God or want God or say they need God? They're halfway in and halfway out. They're not sold out. They're not sold serious. They're not all in this thing. They're just floating down the stream of time. They're just going with the current. They're just biding time until the rapture. They're just filling up space. There's another Christian that could get that blessing. There's another Christian that could have that power. There's another Christian that could feel that joy. Why cumbereth it the crown? Can I say this year might be the most important year in your life. It might be the most important year in my life. It might be the most important year in the life of our church. God's 
not playing games in the end days that we're living in. God's not playing games at the close of this generation. God, I believe, is going to put his hand on a place that wants his hand on it. He's going to bless a person that desires his blessing. But all those unfruitful trees, you better watch out as the axe is laid to the root. The fruit inspection comes. He's hunting for a harvest. And if there is none this year, what if he says, cut it down? Cut down, cut it down. One more year. Is it going to be accomplishment or disappointment? Vision or stagnation? Growth or decline? Victory or defeat? Advancement or retreat? Is it going to be well done or cut it down? Give this year, would you please, to that unfruitful husband. This year. Would you give one more year to that unfruitful wife? Would you give one more year to that unfruitful teenager? Would you give one more year to that unfruitful preacher? Would you give one more year to that unfruitful Sunday school teacher? Would you give one more year to that unfruitful family? Would you give one more year to that unfruitful man? Would you give one more year to that unfruitful woman? Would you give one more year to that unfruitful Christian? Can I say it today that God has not given us life to live our life for us. God gave us life to live for the glory of God. It's not about productivity as much as it is about purpose. And my purpose and your purpose is to bring glory to God. And that is all. And if you're not going to bear fruit, and if I'm not going to bear fruit, God is right and God is holy and God is just to say, cut it down. How long do you expect to God like that to be long-suffering? How long do you expect him to be graceful and overlook and show mercy? Why not just say, why cumbereth it the ground? Three years and they still don't say amen. Three years and they never say glory to God. Three years I've been good in their lives, saved them from hell, and they can't even shout during a song or preach it. Three years, how much longer are they going to take to get a prayer life? I gave them three years, they still don't even have a prayer list. Why cumbereth it the ground? I'm not trying to be harsh on the day after Christmas. I'm trying to close out our years so that we can sprint into another one. Why cumbereth it the ground? Three years and they still don't go soul winning. Now, a soul winner reached them, and they'd be in hell if somebody else didn't care enough to get off their couch and go to their community. But no, they won't go. Three years? Three years, and they still don't go to men's prayer. I've given them three years. I've given them three years, and they still don't give to missions. I've given them three years. They still don't read their Bible every day. I've given them three years. They still don't love people. I gave them three years. They're still bitter. I gave them three years. They're still a gossip. Gave them three years, they're still not living separated. I've given them three years, they're still not praying in my name in public. I've given them three years, and they still won't get their wardrobe right. I've given them three years, and they still get wrapped up in this world. I've given them three years, and they won't offer forgiveness. I've given them three years, and they won't tithe. I've given them three years, three years of giving them love, and three years of giving them grace, and three years of giving them mercy, and still no fruit. Cut it down. What if this was your last year? What if it was? What if your aspirations and ambitions, what if it had to get kick-started now? One of these days, I'm going to, no, you're not. This is the day. This year. Let me give you a couple things to think about. Number one, this tree was the possession of that certain man. It was his tree. It was not its own. 
it was, quote unquote, bought with a price. When I got born again, I ceased to be my own. I was God's by creation at birth, but I became his child when I got born again. And thank God he paid a price I could not pay. And he purchased me for himself. And now my sole objective in life is to do the will of the one who owns me. I'm not here to amass a fortune. I'm not here to make a name for myself. I'm not here just to have fun and enjoy the world. I am here for God because I am his. And thank God he is mine. This tree was a possession. This tree was planted. It was planted. It was rooted in a place, thank God, where it could prosper. If you don't believe today that God has planted you in a place where you can spiritually prosper, you should leave and quit cumbering the ground. I believe God has planted us in a place where we spiritually have no excuse to not prosper. Man, we get the, the King James Bible preached to us, the Word of God. We sing the songs of Zion, rich in doctrine. We have the fellowship of believers. I mean, all of these things. We have Sunday school that is not dead, which most every Sunday school in America is dead. Ours is vibrant. We have the, we have the college. We have the school. From, I mean, from the, from the cradle to the grave, we have things that fertilize, that dig, that dung in our life. We have been planted in a place. By the way, that's why I'd be careful about uprooting because if God planted you, you better let God do the uprooting. This tree was a possession. This tree was planted. This tree was provided for. In verse 6, it tells us that it was in a vineyard. That means it's protected. That fig tree should have been growing wild. It didn't belong in a vineyard. Fig trees don't get planted in a vineyard. That's compassion. That's grace. And that is mercy that that fig tree is not out in the wilderness somewhere and it's in a vineyard. You, You and I don't deserve love and grace and mercy in heaven. Thank God for that. We ought to be in a ditch somewhere, a bar room somewhere, a jail cell somewhere, or in hell with our back broke right now. But thank God for mercy and grace that picked us up and planted us on purpose in a vineyard. Not only was it provided for, but thank God it had a purpose. What's its purpose? To bear fruit. He came for three years not looking for shade. He didn't come three years looking for beautification in the landscape. He didn't come for three years looking for that thing to take root to keep the hillside from eroding. Now, there's a lot of different purposes for a lot of different plants, but there's only one purpose for a fig tree. What is it? Produce figs. That's deep theology. What's the purpose of a Christian? To glorify God with their life. So it has a purpose. You have a purpose. Your purpose is to bring glory to his name. But look, this tree's poor in performance. In verse number six, it says he looked for fruit and it says he found none. Now, think about this. It was made to bear fruit. But it didn't. It was decorative, but it wasn't bearing fruit. Can I say we don't need any more show ponies? Say amen right there. We need workhorses to get the will of God done. There's too many show ponies in churches. Spiritual peacocks, they look good, but they're not bearing any fruit. This tree wasn't for beautification. It was to bear fruit. But it wasn't fulfilling its purpose. It was poor in performance. But look at the patience in verse 7. Three years. That tree had no idea that for three years that man was coming looking for fruit. It's just living life, sucking up nutrients, taking up space. Had no year, no idea that for three years it was under inspection. Oftentimes, I think especially how light we take Christianity today, we just live, get up, go to bed. We have no idea. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, behold the evil and the good. 
that God sees everything, God keeps a tally on everything, that God's aware of everything, and God is a fruit-interested God. John, what is it, John chapter 14, 15, 16, 17, I mean, there's a fruit-bearing text all throughout there because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us. If the Holy Ghost lives inside, He is the fertilizer of the good ground, man. He makes us bear fruit forth. For three years, you say, I don't know, God's not judged me yet. Just because the judgment wheel of God might turn mighty slow, it doesn't mean it doesn't turn mighty fine. Amen. You say, I don't know, I've been getting away with it so far. Yeah, so far. So far. But there is a this year. And so the, the, the man who owned the vineyard said, just go ahead and cut, cut, cut it down. It's profit, profitless. Verse 7, it's profitless. He said, it's taking up space. Now listen, a, a, a worthless life is not necessarily a wicked life. Now that goes without saying that a wicked life is worthless. But a, wick, a worthless life for a Christian is one not fulfilling the will of God. How do you waste your days as a Christian? By not doing what you've been made to do. And lastly, look at this. This tree's put on probation. Verse 8 and 9, let's read it. It says, And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone. And here's that word, these two words, This year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well. And if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. Now, I don't know if you can imagine this or not. And I, I, I always read messages from generations ago. I listen to preaching from generations ago. And probably that's why sometimes when, when I preach, I feel like, you know what, I'm, I'm like an alien preaching to people from another planet. <laughs> but you listen to old, older preachers. You listen to like a Percy Ray or somebody like that. This would be soft preaching for that generation. Can you imagine that for three years it had opportunity and then one year extra opportunity, extra love, extra nourishment. God, in His grace, saved you and planted you in a vineyard. He's loved on you. He's nourished you. He's given you most of your heart's desires. I don't, I don't hesitate to say that because I know how He's been in my life. Sure. And yet, maybe no fruit. So what if 2022, God said, this is there this year? Jesus said, all right, God, Father, just give him one more, one more year. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give him extra opportunity. Now, it might come in the form of dung. That's not pleasant. No. It might come in the form of digging, which is breaking up, and that's not, that's not nice either. But it's opportunity. And he said, I'm going I'm to do these things in, in this life. I'm going to give it more grace than I gave it last year. I'm going to give it more mercy than I gave it last year. I'm going to provide another opportunity for service, just like last year. I'm going to maybe even bless them financially, see if they'll start tithing now. Let's see. Uh, I'm going to bless them with a child just to see if they'll really raise that child up like they said they would when they prayed. I'm going to give them another opportunity, extra over and above what I did last year. And here's what he's saying. I hope it bears fruit. He doesn't want to cut it down. It's far easier to cut a tree down than it is to feed it, isn't it? A man can always find another tree. But that shows you the love of the vine dresser. And the long-suffering of the certain man. He said, it'd be far easier to cut it down, but I don't want to. I know it's been unfruitful, but I still have some hope for it. Now, here's my message, and I'll close. This is this year. What if it is for your marriage, for you individually, for our church, for your ministry? And God said, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm going to give them one more year. One more to get serious about this thing. Or I'll just move them off the scene, and I'll bless somewhere else. If you're here and you're not saved, but you've heard the gospel more times than you can count, God has been good to you. God is not obligated to let you hear the gospel ever again. You've heard it once, that's all he's obligated. He'll let you hear it once. 
The creation itself will speak to your heart, there's a God in heaven. And you've been running around knowing there's a God and not saved. You might not have another year. You might not have another day. What if this is your day to get saved? Christian people, what if this was it? We'll not have revival in America with the state of Christianity as it is. It's too weak. Preacher included, me included. Too worldly. Too waffling in and out. Wouldn't it be a good thing to go ahead and close out the year by closing the door on whatever it would be to keep you unfruitful? Step into a new year and say, you know what? I'm going to take advantage of the digging. I'm going to take advantage of the dunging. And I'm going to do what I can to bring glory to God. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.